Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Boston Celtics found themselves in a spot they did not expect to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Is there any possible way the Celtics can make a historic comeback? Also, the Florida Panthers are heading back to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1996. And we have your top five mock picks in the NBA Draft. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. When the Celtics and the Heat took the floor in Game 4, 150 teams had tried to come back from 3-0, and 150 teams, including LeBron James, L.A. Lakers, 150 teams failed to come back from 3-0. Jalen Brown said, don't let us win a game. Well, that's exactly what Boston did in game four. And now it is 3-1, heading back to Boston with two games potentially left on Boston's home court. John Corrales joins me now from Locked on Celtics. And John, I mentioned this to Wes Goldberg yesterday from Locked on Heat, that if there was ever going to be a team that was going to come back from 3-0, this seems like it would profile as the kind of situation Before we get to that part of it, what did you see in game four that would lead you to believe, at the very least, Boston could do it? What is replicable from what you saw there? Well, first and foremost, the effort uh, that they put forth uh, defensively, especially, that was good to see. Uh, They played much better defense. They rebounded better. They forced the Heat to take tougher three-pointers, which helped drive their three-point shooting down. Uh, the effort offensively to work the ball, not force shots, got got the Celtics to create some better three-pointers, which saw Boston's three-point shooting go up uh, pretty noticeably. So if they can do that, if they can just generate better shots and defend better, like we know they're capable of, second-ranked defense in the regular season, if you can just do those two things, they'll give themselves a good chance. When you look at this this Boston Celtics team in the postseason, you know, backs against the wall against Philadelphia, they were able to put things together. And you and I talked about it. It did seem like some of it was just effort, which yeah. is a weird thing for, for a playoff team to be talking about here. <laughs> but it's also, if you've watched the Miami Heat over the last two and a half playoff series, what has been the calling card of Miami? They just seem to play with more intensity yeah. Is there is there something beyond hey just play hard and make shots that you think would be a key for Boston in game in game yeah, 5? I, I want it to be more than that. <laughs> you know, like I'm a basketball guy, I pride myself on knowing a little bit about the game and it, I want to break things down and be like, "Oh, well, if you do this and you slide right. this guy this way, no." You want to no. talk about side pick and rolls and well, helping yeah. recover defense. I wanna, yeah. Yeah. I want I want to break things down and dive into the No, the thing is it's for some reason <laughs> When the Celtics' shots aren't falling, things fall apart very quickly because they start to get frustrated with themselves. And when they get frustrated with themselves, they don't get back. And when the other team is playing hard, it puts a lot of pressure on the Celtics to kind of try to answer. And then they then they try too hard to answer, and that's when you see them going to the rim and, and even missing some lamps. And they start complaining about fouls they're not getting. And it just spirals. 
when they play with the right effort, the right intensity, when it's in the right places, they can force the turnovers. We saw it in game four. You force the turnovers, you force missed shots, you get down there, you create good shots for yourself, you make those shots, you get back, you set a defense. The Celtics played with great pace. They ran off of makes, uh, especially. They put tons of pressure on Miami's defense to get back. When there were cross matches, they took advantage of it. They didn't just match up hunt. They did a lot of things that were just good, solid effort, good, smart basketball, not reinventing the wheel. Just do that. Play hard, play smart, put in the effort, but put it in the, in the right places. The shots will, the shot quality will go up. The shots will start to fall and everything will start to look like Celtics basketball. I know there have been a lot of conversations over the last few weeks and, and among Boston Celtics fans really over the last couple of months about Joe Missoula. What is his role to your mind in whatever is going to happen over the next game, two games, three games, whatever it is? Well, it's, it's about just making sure that the guys are together. First of all, just making sure that everybody's executing the same thing at the same time. And to recognize, like he did in game four, every once in a while, a team actually needs to sit down, take a breath, and recompose. And that is something that Missoula all season long has said, hey, I don't need to call a timeout. I'm going to let these guys figure it out. But maybe it was just the desperation of the moment where he said, I can't, I can't rely on these guys figuring it out. I think the lesson has to be learned by Joe Missoula. It's been a full season. It's been, it's the conference finals. If they're not figuring it out at this point, you got to figure it out for them. And it's just as simple as the play in, in the third quarter where Jalen Brown had the ball on the sideline. The play was going nowhere. It looked like it was going to be a turnover. You call a timeout, you reset. They actually called a good play and they got a three-pointer out of it. Something as simple as that. Stay up to date all here on the Boston Celtics by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Celtics on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Florida Panthers have seemed like a team of destiny as they are headed to the Stanley Cup Final. Before we get to that, the New England Patriots are, get this, hold on to your hats. Are you sitting down? They're being disciplined again. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and the calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. That's built. Well, what makes them so good, you might be asking. Well, I can tell you. I sure can. They are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. Real chocolate. And yet, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17, an incredible 17 grams of protein. Now, you don't have to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. And that's still how I do it most of the time, but not all the time. And guess why not? Because now I can go to Walmart or I can go to Sam's Club and get a box that I want while I'm doing my regular shopping. Or if I just need something right now, sometimes you just need to have that chocolatey goodness right now. Sometimes you need a four bar box of cookies and cream like now. Sometimes you need a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff now. So, what do you, go, go get them. 
Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The New England Patriots. Man, they they love to push the boundaries. That's the diplomatic way to put it. A Jets fan might say, man, the New England Patriots love to cheat. I wouldn't say that, but a Jets fan might. The New England Patriots are losing two days of organized team activities due to a violation of off-season rules. The team had been scheduled for an OTA on Thursday, the first to be attended by reporters this offseason, but the club announced Wednesday that it had been canceled. Thursday's OTAs, in addition to another next week, were taken away as part of the violation, this according to an ESPN report. It wasn't immediately known what the violation was. The NFL Players Association monitors teams across the NFL for potential violations of its standard operating procedures. Police in Tennessee conducted a welfare check on Memphis Grizzlies star John Morant following cryptic messages on his Instagram account Wednesday. Morant posted and then deleted messages and pictures to social media saying, love you ma, love you pops, you the greatest baby girl, love you, and then followed those with a post that simply said, bye. The public information officer for the Shelby County Sheriff's Office confirmed to ESPN that officers went to Morant's home on Wednesday morning to check in on him, and he is, quote, fine. We hope he is, in fact, fine and gets help if he needs it. On the Diamond, the Phillies have had such a time trying to win ballgames lately that their latest walk-off win against the Diamondbacks may be having strange health effects on our Locked On Phillies host. The Philadelphia Phillies walk it off in the series finale against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Connor Thomas, your host of Locked On Phillies. I have a very different now recorded in the ninth inning because I'm getting ready to hop on and record a full podcast. And I was saying how Trey Turner's been terrible and this team stinks and they can't find a way to win and everything's going wrong and this, that, and the other thing. And listen, I wasn't wrong. <coughs> wow. I think I'm allergic to the Phillies winning. It's been so long since I've seen them do it. Anyway, it's not wrong to say that the Phillies have been really bad, but man, Trey Turner, it's a two-run home run in the bottom of the ninth, the two outs to extend it to extras. Craig Kimbrell nails to get out of it, doesn't give up a run in the top of the tenth, and then the bases loaded, Alec Bohm hits one, one hop off the wall for the winner. The Phillies beat Zach Gallen and the best pitcher in baseball right now, and uh, now they head into the NL East series with some momentum. We'll talk even more about it on today's Locked On Phillies. And the Cincinnati Reds did whatever they wanted to the St. Louis Cardinals pitching staff and their right fielder on Wednesday. You gotta love it whenever the Reds beat the Cardinals by a touchdown. What's up? This is Jeff Carr from the Lockdown Reds podcast. And pick a guy in the Reds lineup. He had a pretty nice night at the plate. 18 hits and 10 runs. For the Reds in this game, absolutely dominant performance. They destroyed Steven Matz. Matt McLean gifted a home run by Oster Mercado. If you haven't seen the replay, Mercado is ranging back, trying to catch the ball. And as he goes to catch it with the glove, it bounces out of his glove and over the wall. And that is a home run. Second career home run for Matt McLean, by the way. And Ben Lively. Where has he come from? Absolutely beautiful performance by him. Six innings, two earned runs, both of them off solo homers, and eight strikeouts. Reds might have something here. We'll talk about it on the next Lockdown Reds podcast. Here is another story you need to know. For the third time in four games, Matthew Kachuk 
was the hero. This time he didn't need overtime. No, just four seconds was all he needed to send the Carolina Hurricanes packing in a sweep. That is why, if you are watching on YouTube, Armando Velez from Locked On Florida Panthers is holding a broom because the Florida Panthers are going to the Stanley Cup final after sweeping the Carolina Hurricanes in game four. And Armando, this is a, a series where, yes, it's a sweep, but every game comes down to the final moments. Um, this one did not need overtime, but it very nearly needed overtime. Um, is it any more complicated in terms of what the difference was between these two teams than it was Matthew Kachuk? Yes and no. I mean, I mean, the the reason why they made the trade for Matthew Kachuk is because they uh, Bill Zito thought that they lacked a little bit of toughness when it came to standing up to their opposition. They were pushed around last year against the Tampa Bay Lightning as they mm -hmm. were themselves swept in the second round. Of course, they win their first playoff series in 26 years last year when beating the Washington Capitals. And then, uh, of course, they won the President's Trophy last year for the best record in the NHL, 58 wins, 122 points. But it, it, it just it, it it was a failure for the Florida Panthers, and then they said something's got to change. And of course, Bill Zito, being only the GM of this team for three years, made the boldest move of trading a franchise player in Jonathan Huberdeau himself, who had 115 points uh, to the Calgary Flames for a guy who was five years younger. And both were were uh, close to getting their deals expired as well. And Bill Zito had already traded a 2022 first round pick, a 2023, 24. And then they did a 25, a 2025 first round pick. So the Florida Panthers, they're kind of like the LA Rams of the NHL when trying to go for it as far as uh, trying to contend for a cup. So they they decided to make that trade. They had a whole bunch of dead cap on their on their roster this year with Keith Yandel's buyout on, on the books and Scott Darling's as well goes about like 6.3, 6.4 million. So they couldn't keep a Claude Drew um, from the year before. They couldn't keep a Ben Sherratt. They couldn't keep a Mason Marchment as well. And this was considered a gap year for the Florida Panthers. They, they barely squeaked in. They made a coaching change as well. Andrew Burnett being the interim head coach after everything that happened with Joel Quenville as well. And even then, the Florida Panthers struggled, but they they got hot at the right time, especially from January, barely squeaked in. And then it, it all, all it takes is the a team getting hot and especially a goalie being hot as well, that, which Sergey Bobrovsky in this series alone, 168 of 174 on the, in the series. Yeah, you you mentioned a couple of the reasons, but when you look at the underlying numbers here, a 10-win difference in the regular season, that is not nothing. You're talking about more than a 20-point difference in the regular season. Goal differential, not even close. So how was Florida able to make up this gap? It really comes to being um, it, to believing in a system that has been that has been implemented by their coach uh, Paul Maurice. Which, funny enough, he was the um, he was the coach of the Carolina Hurricanes when they went to the Stanley Cup final in 2002 before getting swept themselves against the Detroit um, Red Wings uh, in 2002. And then, of course, his experience with uh, the Winnipeg Jets um, making a Western Conference final as well in uh, in 20 uh, 2018 as well. And and it just goes down to how the Florida Panthers are able to 
have their opposition make mistakes and the way they're able to score within five seconds of a turnover as as well and being very opportunistic when it comes to that peter and and it comes down to as as, as well being healthy at the right time anthony duclair for the florida panthers he didn't in, wasn't inserted into the lineup until game 62 of the season mm-hmm. and of course with LTIR with Patrick Hornquist being being uh, being placed there, it helped um, the Florida Panthers activate him off there. So that was a building block. And this is a team that made zero trade deadline moves because they were just so up against the cap. They lacked a whole bunch of assets, but Bill Zito and company believed in the group. They could have easily sold a Radko Gudis for like maybe a third or fifth round pick somewhere around there in that ballpark. But this was a team where they can't tank because of what was shipped out. So they had to go for it, but they couldn't be overly aggressive as well. Stay up to date all here on the Florida Panthers by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Panthers on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, we give you the top five picks in the upcoming NBA draft, at least as it stands right now, we think. Victor Wembenyama will be the number one pick in the NBA draft. That's a given. Who's number two? Who's the big first round sleeper? Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd is joined by Locked on NBA Big Boards Raphael Barlow to break down his latest mock draft. We know where they sit. We know we've got San Antonio, we've got Charlotte, we've got Portland, Houston, and Detroit. What would you do? One through five there. Just quickly run through that top five. At San Antonio, let me think here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I go with Wimbayama for two. Charlotte, I'd go Brandon Miller, three, Portland, Scoot Henderson, Amon Thompson, four, to Houston. And at five, I, I'd say Cam Whitmore. Interesting. So I think out of it, I think I've had five or six draft people on so far, and you're the only one who said you would take Brandon Miller at two. Everyone else has said Scoot there. The number five pick is sort of all up in the air, and Armin Thompson's going at four with everyone, basically. So interesting to get a little bit of diversity there on the Brandon Miller at number two, which it does feel, and was the vibe from that you got from the combine that that is the direction that Charlotte's probably going? Yeah, it sounds like it, but I've had I've been talking about Brandon Miller at number two since January. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, that is true. <laughs> and at the time, it sounded crazy. Like I, I took a lot of flack for for that, but um, no, I just think that he offers positional versatility. He can play the three, maybe some four in closing lineups when teams go small. He can play the two. I think just he has more versatility, and he is ready to come in and contribute as a shooter. I'm talking about a guy that. For the most part, if he didn't have that historically bad NCAA tournament, he's he's shooting 40% from three on seven attempts per game. And, you know, I'm just not going with the consensus there. No, you you have been on him at number two for a very, very long time. Uh, I remember saying that probably around January even that you were saying that and there was very much no one saying that, which, yeah, the direction a lot of people are going at the moment is Brandon Miller at two. I still, I'm not there with it, but hey, that's fine. We'll see how that all pans out over the next few years. But what we are here to talk about is a player that you are a little bit higher on than consensus. So let's do it. And I'm, I'm really interested in talking about this player. That's Derek Lively from Duke, because when I do all my fantasy translations for dynasty leagues, I did them all. And you know, sitting there at number five, or I think it was number five or six is Derek Lively. I go, well, hang on. What are we doing here? Like this guy has jumped way up and it was very reminiscent. Not exactly the same because Walker Kessler's numbers were more insane last season, but Walker Kessler jumped out as like the number three fantasy rookie when I did those translations last season. I went, oh, is this actually real? Can this guy play? Because these numbers are insane. And yeah, it turns out 
he could play. And now we've got a similar situation developing with Derek Lively. He's a, a seven-foot center from Duke. He's just turned 19. I've got that draft range from a whole bunch of mock drafts that I did where he's got 10 to 25. Is that 10 you? Are you have you got him at 10? No, I don't have him at 10, but I would I would take him at 10. Uh, if, if, if I did a draft based off of how I would do it, I mm. would have him at 10. But I'm also trying to factor in what's probably realistic and, and so on. But no, I, I would take him at 10 if I'm Dallas. And finally, Steve Stricker's caddy for this week's Senior PGA Championship will be his daughter, Izzy. The best part, it's her birthday present. She said, quote, growing up, I never went on a ton of trips with them. And so spending quality time like this with golf around us, we do it all the time. But this means a lot more. And Izzy, though not a seasoned PGA Tour pro like Steve Stricker, is no slouch on the golf course herself, having just won the Wisconsin state title. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, will the Heat close out the Celtics? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.